Hello, listeners. Welcome to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden. In this podcast, we tell stories illustrating the rich history behind those beliefs and practices we take for granted. They may feel innocuous, but sometimes they're the only things standing between us and the relentless tide of fate. Today's superstition is not tied to one particular culture or belief, but rather, it's a collage of the human experience. Human experience, that is, defined by two words. Happy birthday. We all have one. Our friends all have one. They're our way of measuring age, seniority, maturity, and sometimes our very personalities. And the methods we use to practice them today are entirely built on centuries-old pagan beliefs. So even if we aren't conscious of them, the very act of celebrating a birthday is a superstition of its own. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify. A warning. Today's episode features dramatizations of drunk driving and family trauma. Coming up, we light some candles to keep the darkness away. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Are you one? Are you two? Are you 30? Birthdays have a unique position in society. On one hand, they're so common we don't think much about them. On the other, when it's your birthday, you expect to be the center of attention. Gifts, surprise parties, or just an excuse to treat yourself. The day of birth is so important that people who believe in Western astrology say that the birthday determines your very personality. Even more so than things like being born into poverty or wealth, or how you are raised. My point is, birthdays reign supreme. But why do we light candles on a cake? Why do we expect the staff at an olive garden to embarrass us with an impromptu song? We'll explore these questions in just a moment through a story. It's the tale of a young man who will soon have his own reason to resent birthday superstitions. Because birthdays are all about the spirit you bring to them. Wayne's 10th birthday was a moment he'd remember for the rest of his life. The memory began with the smell of incense and amaranth flowers in the late morning. The living room was full of decorations, streamers, balloons, giant plastic letters that read, Happy 10th Birthday, Wayne. Otherwise, the room was empty. Wayne sat by the window, watching the driveway. His birthday party was supposed to have started two hours ago. 
It was a Sunday. Surely someone should have shown up. In the kitchen, his parents whispered amongst themselves, whispered about how September is the most common birthday month and wondering how best to make it up to their son. For his part, Wayne was not surprised. Haley Trainer had a birthday on Tuesday, so naturally her party would be on a Saturday too, as well as Alex Neiman, Nat Johnson, Sarah Smith. He sighed. None of these people were close enough to him for a shared party. So here he was, alone on his birthday. Wayne, you okay there, honey? It was his mom, Agnes. She sat down beside him on the couch and said that maybe they could go see an early movie together, celebrate his birthday as a family. It was an innocent suggestion, but it did little to dispel the blanket of disappointment currently smothering Wayne's spirits. He told her sullenly that he would like to play in the backyard, alone. He was in one of those moods where the only joy is in sharing your melancholy with others. Their yard was a modest one, a large square lawn with a single apple tree up against the back fence. Wayne could, if he wanted, climb this tree and see his neighbor's yards, maybe greet a dog or two. But he didn't feel like it today. So he slumped at the base of the tree and sulked. A small garden snake slithered by. Just then, a wry voice interrupted his self-pity. Happy birthday, nerd! Wayne looked up and his heart skipped a beat. Sitting on the adjacent fence was a slender girl with raven black hair and bright green eyes. It was Lily, the girl who lived next door. Wayne had an enormous crush on her, even though she was almost 13 and he had only just turned 10. He stammered, You got my invite. She only rolled her eyes. The balloons in your front window are visible from space, moron. He wilted. Oh. She cocked her head at him. He couldn't tell if it was sympathy or curiosity, like seeing a smashed snail on the road. Did no one show? She asked. He wanted to lie, to say that all sorts of friends were coming this evening. But there was something about Lily. He couldn't lie to her. Even if he knew she had no way of finding out the truth, he shook his head. She did not seem surprised. In fact, she looked sorry. If it was possible for someone to look sorry and cruelly indifferent at the same time, she said, Don't take it personally, nerd. If my parents were that weird, no one would come to my birthdays either. Wayne started to protest. His parents were normal, boring people. There was nothing weird about them. Lily simply shrugged. That's not what the other kids said. She was surprised that Wayne hadn't heard. The local children, even the ones they went to school with, believed that his parents were sorcerers or witches or something. This rumor started last year at Wayne's ninth birthday party. Kids said that Nat Johnson had noticed a strange smell from their kitchen and followed it to find Wayne's parents doing something creepy. Wayne stood up by this point. What was it? He asked. Lily smiled coyly. I wouldn't want to ruin the surprise. 
But do you think everyone's parents make them eat primroses or recite a custom rhyme for them every year? And with that, she jumped down and vanished behind the fence. Wayne didn't even hear her hit the ground. Wayne looked back to his home. There was a flickering yellow glow from one of the upper windows. He was surprised he hadn't noticed it before. Up the tree he went, one careful foot at a time. Then he was on the fence. Balancing like an alley cat, he crept back towards his house. If he was high enough, he could just reach the bottom of the window and peer in. He could feel the fence strain under his weight. He was getting heavy. He wouldn't be able to do this for much longer. He noticed that on Lily's side, the grass was brown and barren compared to the lush lawn his parents maintained. A sudden gust of wind caught him. He wavered, flailing his arms. He was almost certain he was about to fall when his outstretched hand found the windowsill. He breathed a sigh of relief and pulled his chin up to the window to look in. Candles. A small cluster of candles atop a cake. Wayne blinked. Was it normal to have the candles lit so early? Thinking about it, he'd never seen his parents light the candles before. They always brought the cake out with the candles already lit and wax pooled on the icing. His mother entered the room. She was holding a stick of some kind, which had a thin trail of smoke coming from its tip. She waved it through the air over the cake and left the room. It looked like she was casting a spell. Suddenly, the fence post beneath Wayne's feet split. The lawn slammed into Wayne's face and he rolled, over and over, stopping with his gaze to the sky. He was dazed and stunned, but not really hurt. There was so much to think about. His parents, how they were behaving, how their house always smelled so strongly around his birthday. His parents were weird after all. It was their fault his 10th birthday was ruined. Wayne continued sulking for most of the day after that. On the drive with his mom to the movie theater, he asked why dad didn't join them. She replied, Oh, he just has some things to prepare for dinner. That was what she said. What her son heard was, He is back home preparing diabolical spells that will scare away your friends and ruin your life. By the time they returned, the decorations had all been rearranged. His father, Damien, stood in the center of the dining room with a broad smile and flaming cake before him. The lights went down, and the room became just three faces and eleven candles. His parents began to sing. Not happy birthday to you, but this year's parental poem, talking about how proud they are of their son. Wayne knew this was a cringy sort of thing to do, but he'd never read anything sinister into it. Until now. Lily's words came back to him. At each stanza, Wayne's gaze darted to the darkened corners of the house, searching for more evidence of the strangeness Lily spoke of. There was the peculiar fragrance, seemingly emanating from those smoking sticks by the window. There was a garland of flowers by the modest pile of presents. And the candles! There were eleven candles on the cake, but today was Wayne's tenth birthday. The song ended. 
Make a wish, Wayne, Agnes said. She pulled at his earlobe. This was too weird. He stepped away from her. Still looking at the cake, Wayne said, I wish my friends weren't scared of my parents. His mother and father looked at him in shock and confusion. Agnes asked, What do you mean? That was when Wayne's frustration and resentment finally boiled over. He demanded to know why his parents weren't like normal parents and couldn't just throw him a normal birthday party. Their spells had made their son a social pariah. He didn't actually use the word pariah as it was not yet in his vocabulary. He ran to the window and seized the smelly sticks. He stuffed them into a nearby vase, extinguishing them. He grabbed the flower garlands and tore into them, shredding them like paper. Then he flung the mangled mess in the trash. His parents stared at him in shock, unmoving. Wayne had never felt such fury at them. He had never even raised his voice before. But seeing them standing behind his birthday cake, like a tableau of perfect parenthood, only made him angrier. He stepped forward and shoved the cake onto the floor. His father ordered him to go to his room. He complied, stomping off as noisily as he could manage and slamming the door behind him. Somehow, the candles still burned, wax melting onto the ruined mess of a cake. Wayne climbed into bed and pulled the covers up to his neck. Tears welled in his eyes. In his belly, he felt the guilty satisfaction that comes from a pent-up outburst. When he heard his mother open the door, he did not turn around. Even when he felt her weight on the bed, he did not turn around. Her hand settled gently on the back of his head. She said, Wayne... Look, I'm sorry about how today turned out. I hope that one day you understand why we do what we do. At this, Wayne turned over. He glared at her. Tell me then. Tell me why. She sighed. There are rituals in this world that adults practice without thought or understanding. Your father and I, we've always believed that if we're going to participate in a ritual, it would be intentional. We light the candles early. German tradition says they're supposed to burn all day to protect you from evil spirits. There's supposed to be one candle more than the number of years of age to guarantee an extra year of life. The poem we read every year isn't a spell. It's called a genethliacum. It's intended to secure success. The primroses aren't poison. These are all for good luck. Nothing sinister. But Wayne wasn't convinced. What about the smelly sticks? Agnes hesitated. That's incense. The reason we use this one is more complicated. It involves a very old version of the word genius. Wayne interrupted her. No more weird birthdays, he said. He was not a petulant child usually, and he had never tried to force his parents' hands like this. Agnes 
looked devastated, but took a deep breath and maintained her composure. We'll talk about it before your next birthday comes around, she said. They never had a chance to talk about it. The following morning, the three of them set out on the road to visit an aunt who lived in the mountains. They only made it about halfway. All Wayne remembered was the entire world violently lurching to one side and his seatbelt suddenly digging painfully into his chest and stomach. The world outside the car roared, screeched, cracked, and then was silent. The crash changed everything. Damien didn't survive the night. Agnes pulled through, but her injuries left her incapable of parenting Wayne on her own. Wayne was told over and over again that there was nothing he could have done to prevent it. It was a drunk driver. These things just happen. Part of Wayne always wondered whether that was entirely true. From then on, he never celebrated his birthdays. They only made him think about the last day he had with his parents and how he wasted it by being bitter. Coming up, Wayne discovers the consequences of not celebrating your birthday. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Wayne's 17th birthday. Concrete punched him in the face. Well, it's more accurate to say that Dylan Smith punched him in the face and the concrete sidewalk joined in for good measure. Before second period, Wayne was in a hospital down the street from his high school, nursing a broken nose and several bruises. I should have played hooky today, he thought. Over the years, Wayne had learned many tricks to avoiding surprise birthday parties, and they all boiled down to the same principle, disappear until the day has passed. Today, however, he had gotten lazy. Dylan had made a comment comparing Wayne's parents' deaths to a cliché superhero backstory with birthdays as the villain, and Wayne had exploded. Now, a half hour after the fight was over, Wayne still found the comment ridiculous. His mom was still alive, for one thing. 
But even if she wasn't, he didn't have to justify his dislike of birthdays to anyone. He held an ice pack on his face and hoped he could go home without any fuss. A polite cough interrupted his musings and he looked up to see an odd person approaching. The individual who approached Wayne looked like they'd fallen out of a time machine and hit every era on the way down. They wore a tricorn hat, 1970s-style round sunglasses, and a tuxedo with tails. Around their neck was a snake tattoo. If an outfit could give someone a hangover, this one would be like 40 shots of tequila. Go away, Wayne groaned. The last thing I need right now is to be harassed by a cosplayer. The individual looked somewhat taken aback. Oh, they said, but I haven't even told you why I'm here, Wayne. Wayne looked up. He didn't recognize this person at all. How did they know his name? Did one of his teachers have an embarrassing side job as a living history project? Halloween was still over a month away. I know that look, the stranger said. You're wondering what institution I just walked out of. Well, you needn't worry. My name is Feedy, and I'm not a lunatic. I am your genius. The term sent a shiver up Wayne's spine, and for a moment he forgot the pain of his bruises. What did you say? He had not heard this term used so cryptically since his tenth birthday. The so-called genius sat on the hospital bed next to his. Feedy said, Ah, I see your parents never fully acquainted you with the term. Allow me to explain. Every person possesses a genius. This does not refer to intelligence, but a spirit that watches over each individual. Think of it as a guardian angel that represents a person's unique being. In the past, people made offerings of incense and flower garlands on their birthday to strengthen their genius and allow them to thrive and flourish. If I recall, your parents kept that tradition alive for you. You may have glimpsed me once or twice as a snake in your backyard. Wayne cocked his head. But I've not celebrated a birthday in years. The genius coughed. <clears throat> I know. They took a deep breath. You don't believe me. I was afraid you'd require some sort of demonstration. Well, here goes. Feedy raised a hand and Wayne suddenly felt like the skin on his face was tightening against his skull. When the pressure was more than he could bear, it vanished. He gasped and lowered the ice pack. He suddenly felt normal. His nose no longer felt misshapen. His bruises were gone, and the hand that Feedy raised was now shriveled and almost black. They winced. As you said, you have not celebrated a birthday in some time. To be precise, you have neglected me for the last seven years. I'm dying. It took a great effort to reveal myself to you now, but I fear it is my last chance. Wayne's head was spinning. This was all too much to take in. Either his parents' magic was real and it manifested in an eccentric party clown, or the fight with Dylan had jostled his brain worse than he'd thought. Playing along, he asked, 
So, what happens when someone's genius dies? Feedy shivered. It depends. Most wind up becoming mid-level bureaucrats or work at the DMV. You can tell them from their dead-eyed stare. Not a pretty sight. Wayne didn't know if he was supposed to laugh or what, but this individual had healed his face, and it was impossible to deny that something in his life had gone wrong following that tenth birthday. Not just the tragedy, but the whole feel of it. There was something terribly grey about the world he'd lived in for the last seven years. And maybe this genius could provide a way out of it. If nothing else, it could give him a way to dodge everyone who wanted to wish him a happy birthday. What do you need from me? He asked. The genius said, Go and see your mother. She'll know what to do. The genius waved their dead hand and suddenly... Wayne's exhaustion vanished. He felt like he could go toe-to-toe with all his bullies at once and win. Feedy hissed in pain and stumbled, almost like one of their legs had given way beneath them. I don't have much time. Go! The genius shrank and withered until there was only a small garden snake on the floor. Wayne watched, dumbstruck, as it slithered into a dark corner and vanished. Agnes still lived in their old home, though it felt so much larger without her husband to share it. Though she was only in her early 60s, she often lost her train of thought and found concentrating difficult. The physical scars of the car accident might have faded, but the doctors said the less visible wounds might never heal. She was astonished to see her son Wayne visit on his birthday. No matter how forgetful she got, she always remembered that Wayne associated birthdays only with pain. But that day, there was a light in his eyes she hadn't seen in almost a decade. He ran over to her and knelt in front of her wheelchair. Mom, he said, I need you to remember. What did you and Dad used to do for my birthday? Her mouth fell open in surprise. Then... It became a warm smile. I could never forget that. We lit incense and made garlands of flowers for the genius, lit the candles early to keep those evil spirits from crossing our backyard fence, came up with the poem, though I think you may need to help me with that last one. My verse is a little rusty. Wayne promised he would help her. This year, he would help her with all of it. Together, they made a birthday cake and lit the candles, 18 in all. They brought the incense and spread it around the house. They made garlands of flowers. By the late afternoon, they had a full birthday setup: smelly house, cake coated in candle wax, all of it. Agnes recited the genethliacum they had written together, and a warm feeling filled his stomach. Agnes smiled at him. You've done it, she said. You've revived your genius. Wayne smiled back at her. I wouldn't have done it without you. I'm sorry for everything I put you and Dad through that day. Maybe if I'd listened to you... 
Agnes shook her head. I never blamed you. She yawned. Now, can you help me upstairs? I think I need to take a nap. Wayne took his mother up to bed. The whole way up the stairs, she insisted he keep the candles lit until dark. He said he would and tucked her in. The light outside faded to the deep blue of dusk. Every time a candle burned too low, he replaced it with a fresh one. He had just sat down in front of the television when a chilling gust of wind slipped through a crack and extinguished half of the candles. That's when an old friend came knocking at their door. Wayne had not seen Lily since he was 10 years old. She was now tall and willowy, but her jet black hair remained the same. Hello, nerd. Wayne blinked in surprise. He said hello, but didn't know what else to say. In her presence, he still felt like the 10-year-old boy being taunted for not knowing his parents' secrets. You've grown handsome. Who would have thought, huh? Wayne asked why she came by. Something about this reunion felt wrong, like he was retreading his 10th birthday in reverse. When he said this, she grinned in a way that made his stomach turn. Her teeth, he noticed, were sharp, like a shark's. Isn't it obvious? I was waiting for your genius to weaken. Those pesky spirits always take so long to die. A chill ran down Wayne's spine. He looked back over his shoulder to the birthday cake. Only nine of the 18 candles were still lit. They were supposed to keep evil spirits at bay. And for their entire childhood, Lily had never crossed the fence between their two backyards. Now, he finally understood why. Something struck him in the back, sharp talons cutting like nettles through his shirt. He shrieked in pain and fell onto his stomach. Darkness pressed into the home around him. Not the darkness of the fading sun, but the darkness of despair, of weakness, of death. Wayne crawled toward the cake inch by inch. The darkness followed him. Blood pounded in his ears, telling him that Lily was not far behind him. It was only when he reached the kitchen table that he turned to look. The darkness spread out behind Lily like two wings. Her hair seemed to run into the floor like a great black waterfall, and her pale arms reached forward with nails grown into talons. She was no longer Lily, but Lilith, ancient demon of night and shadow, come to claim his soul. Nine candles would not be enough to ward her off. Then he heard a polite cough. <clears throat> Lily's claws froze. They both looked to the doorway where a strange figure in a tricorn hat and sunglasses stood. Pardon me, creature, but that is my human you're trying to eat. Lily didn't have time to respond before the genius attacked. Feedy charged forward and leapt at the evil spirit. Midway through the air, the genius's form turned into that of a snake and it wrapped around Lily, biting her over and over again. 
but the element of surprise only lasted for so long. Lily seized the serpent and tore it from her body. It wriggled helplessly in her claws. Wayne realized his genius was too weak. After years of being ignored and slowly starved, Feedy didn't stand a chance. At least, not alone. Wayne turned to the cake and fumbled with the matches, trying to block out the horrible screeching sounds of battle behind him. One candle, two, another. Damn, his match broke. Nine, that's it. All 18 candles were lit. He turned back to the grappling spirits. Lily was clearly weakened, but still holding her own in the fight. She flung the serpent to the floor and placed a foot, no, a talon on it, pinning it to the floor. Wayne realized he had weakened her, but he had not strengthened his genius. Adrenaline carrying him, he ran to the window, grabbed a garland of flowers, and stuffed three or four incense sticks into it, like fuses on a grenade. Feedy! he shouted. I've got another offering for you! He flung the garland at the snake, and suddenly a blinding flash of light overpowered the room. When Wayne's eyes adjusted, Lily was gone. Feedy stood before him, but no longer in the form of a snake or a poorly dressed human. They were statuesque, glowing, snakes circling their arms like writhing bracelets, and their eyes shone. Well done, Wayne. You saved us from a fate worse than death. Wayne asked what had become of Lily. Would he be safe from her next year? And the year after? The genius sighed with regret. <sighs> Lily has not been vanquished. Creatures like her stalk the world wherever you go, and it is on your birthdays that you'll be the most vulnerable. They'll never go away. But if you celebrate your birthdays right, neither will I. Feedy touched Wayne on the shoulder, and Wayne felt a warmth spread through his body. The horrible, grey feeling dissipating once and for all. He wrapped his arms around the genius. It felt strangely like hugging himself. Feedy said, Enjoy your cake. And then was gone. As soon as the genius vanished, Wayne felt a wave of exhaustion crash over him. He barely had the energy to cut himself a slice of birthday cake. He sat down on the couch in the living room, the same place he'd been sitting seven years ago, regretting that no one came to his birthday party. He took a bite of the cake and thought about how, sometimes, a quiet birthday can be a nice thing after all. Many of our birthday traditions have become so commonplace, we hardly think about them anymore. But that doesn't mean they sprang out of nowhere. Take the practice of topping a cake with lit candles. It is said that back in the day, ancient Greeks lit candles on top of cakes as an offering to the goddess Artemis. 
When they blew out the candles, the smoke carried their wishes to the moon goddess. It wouldn't be until around the 18th century that bakers from Germanic cultures made cake a part of the birthday tradition. Connections like these run rampant throughout our birthday customs. We no longer think of them as prayers, but in a sense, that's exactly what they are. Prayers not to the Roman idea of the genius, but what it represented, the life force of the individual. Every birthday is, in a sense, a small personal holiday. And the appeal of this idea cannot be understated. Across the world, numerous cultures have a song, a celebration, or even just a simple acknowledgement of the special day. If a person becomes famous enough, their birthday graduates and becomes a holiday of its own. Your special day often serves as a milestone, old enough to drive, old enough to drink, old enough to have a midlife crisis. To reach a birthday is always seen as an achievement, whether you made it to 10 or 100. Ultimately, it's less about the age than it is about the person. It's an annual celebration of a single individual and all the strange, complicated elements that make them who they are. So when you blow out your candles this year, don't wish to be like anyone but yourself. Your genius wouldn't like that at all. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Border, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Robert Teamstra with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear. Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.